Today on Better Health, I have the honor to speak with Erica Young, who is an experienced personal trainer specializing in pre- and postnatal fitness. She has competed in and coached a wide variety of sports, track, triathlon, speed skating, and roller derby, but now focuses exclusively on helping moms feel strong during and after pregnancy. She has a wide range of qualifications that I tagged in the show notes. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this. It is incredible, the knowledge she has and the passion. So stay tuned. You won't want to miss it. You're listening to the Better Health Podcast with April, a platform dedicated to coaching women in areas of health, lifestyle, and legacy by speaking with leading health and wealth experts and with the goal to inspire women to thrive in their lives today and in the future. Now on to today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Better Health with April. On today's show, I am speaking with Erica Young, who is a personal trainer who specializes in pre and postnatal fitness. And we're talking a lot about the pelvic area today and the core and how we can strengthen that and prepare for pregnancy, or maybe you've already had a kid and how we can um, really enhance and optimize our bodies. So welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It'll be great. So first off, I just want to know a little bit more about you. Where are you from and what was your childhood and family like in regards to health? Sure. So I grew up in, it's, it's Maryland technically, but it's right on the border of West Virginia. So very small town, coal mining based. Um, and my mom was a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of like, she made us eat wheat bread in the eighties, which in the eighties, everybody ate white bread. So, and she, she like made us Kool-Aid with half of the sugar instead of regular sugar. Mm. So, but not really big on like vegetables. I mean, some Mm. like canned vegetables, but not a lot of fresh vegetables. And she, she has a very narrow palate, you know? Mm. So um, I'd, I hadn't experimented with a lot of different foods and I thought I was a really picky eater until adulthood. And then I started trying lots of different things and found out I actually like lots of different foods. Yeah. Um, but I, I grew up pretty, I was a gymnast as a kid. So I was pretty active, outdoor kid, um, got, got a lot of activity in all the time. That was really never mm. an issue. We weren't much of a TV family or anything like that. So yeah. I was pretty fortunate in terms of my foundation of health and wellness. Mm. Um, so that's super cool. Super, super cool here. I've always dreamed of being a gymnast. So, um, you live my dream. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and what got you into health and specifically like being a personal trainer and with like pre and postnatal women? Sure. It's kind of a roundabout. Well, I actually went to school, um, for English and was an English teacher for seven years. So, and then at that same time, I was kind of coaching the school track team and that kind of thing and still competing on my own Mm -hmm. as a runner in triathlon and those sorts of things. And then after I had my first child, who's now 14, um, I was staying home with him and then just started coaching more on the side, teaching spin Mm -hmm. classes, had a couple of triathlete clients, those types of things. So just doing um, more traditional personal training getting people okay. leaner, getting people faster, getting people stronger, had a couple powerlifting clients. Mm-hmm. So just what you typically think of in terms of personal training. Mm-hmm. Um, until after I had my daughter, she's, she was my youngest, my third, mm-hmm. I started having some pretty significant pelvic floor dysfunction. And mm-hmm. you would never know it because there were pictures on the internet of me racing and actually yeah. winning, like standing on the podium of a triathlon. And I wow. look super healthy and fit and lean. But what you can't see in that mm-hmm. picture is, is I was peeing my pants all day long. 
So it was, it was a pretty significant pelvic floor dysfunction. And at the time I thought I was really alone. I thought Mm. that I must be the only person in the whole world who at 32 was already peeing her pants. Like I thought that was like a grandma issue. Right. Yeah, definitely. And so I didn't even like seek out help because I didn't know there was help available. I just thought I was this anomaly and that I must just need to do more Kegels. And we'll talk about Kegels later. (laughs) So I'm doing more and more and more Kegels and everything was getting worse. And so I was personal training at the time and taking like five pairs of pants to work because between every client, I had to change pants thinking, well, I guess this is just my life now. I guess this is what it's going to be forever. And didn't really know where to go or who to ask or that even Mm -hmm. there was help available. So thankfully, one of my contacts in the fitness industry, so not my OBGYN, (laughs) um, one of my contacts in the fitness industry said, Mm -hmm. why don't you go to pelvic floor physical therapy? And so I made that appointment and then this whole new world opened up to me. So Mm -hmm. I was able to rehab my own body and then started learning, you know, once you know, you can't unknow. (laughs) So (laughs) once, once I realized like, wow, the pelvic floor does so many jobs in our body. And when it's Mm -hmm. not going well, there's all these other issues that spring up. Mm-hmm. And so in that process, I started learning tons and I got tons of, um, of, I think four or five different pre and postnatal pelvic floor type certifications. Mm-hmm. And so I started asking my clients better questions. You know, I've been training people for a lot of years, but never thought to ask them, do you pee when you jump? Right. But then once I was having that issue myself, mm-hmm. then I found to ask and realized I was not alone. Mm-hmm. So I would say 80% of my female clients, once I asked them directly and made it safe for them to answer, they're like, oh yeah, like I, you know, I'm wearing a pad when I come to see you. I can't jump rope. I can't jump. I can't sneeze. I don't want to go to the concert because I'm afraid I might leak. And so I just, I learned so much about how much I'm not alone. So at that point I pivoted my career and totally changed. And now I do pre and postnatal and pelvic floor work full time. So wow, that's an incredible story. Super special because like, I mean, there are so many women that are probably experiencing this, but are embarrassed to talk about it and probably thinking like yourself, I'm the only one. And like, I would have never thought like someone that is so athletic, you know, ran track and was a personal trainer or is a personal trainer would struggle with something like that. I just automatically think, oh, if you're in shape, if you work out, like you'll probably be good in regards to pelvic pain and um, not having to um, experience what you did, but it's totally not true. Um, So it's amazing that you were able to connect with women and now find that problem area and help them along the way because of your experience. Right. Well, yeah, pelvic pelvic floor dysfunction is an equal equal opportunity experience. So actually Mm -hmm. a lot of my clients tend to be in the athletic set. They grew up as dancers, as cheerleaders, as swimmers, and they they tend to hold a lot of tension in their Mm -hmm. pelvic floor and they might even have like defined abdominals that you can see, but that sometimes they're overly tense. Um, Their muscles are so, so tight in their core and pelvic floor that they actually can't function correctly. So yeah, and they say 80% of gymnasts have stress incontinence, just that pounding. Um, So yeah, and I had no idea before I got into this. So yeah, absolutely. Wow. So like for listeners and myself included, can you give a rundown of like the pelvic floor and what pelvic pain is as well? Sure. So your pelvic floor, it's interesting (laughs) describing this on a podcast because I usually (laughs) teach my classes in person, but the pelvic floor is a group of muscles, not just one muscles. And they work together to create kind of a hammock or a bowl within Mm -hmm. your bony pelvis structure. So you can think of them as a hammock running from your pubic bone to your tailbone. So it kind of swoops down in the bottom of your pelvis and it's, it's designed to support the organs. So your bladder, your uterus, your rectum, it's a hammock that's supposed to hold those organs Mm -hmm. up. 
and it's supposed to be pliable and it's supposed to move with your breath. So when you inhale, that pelvic, is, that pelvis, pelvic floor is supposed to get longer. Hmm. And when you exhale, the pelvic floor gets shorter and lifts a little bit. And I know okay. everybody's trying it right now, which I think is... <laughs> so um, the pelvic floor is supposed to move with your diaphragm. So there's the pelvic floor, you have all your abdominal organs, and then on top of that, you have your diaphragm, your primary breathing muscle. Okay. And the diaphragm and the pelvic floor are supposed to move together. They're supposed to track. Mm -hmm. So you inhale, your diaphragm goes down, your pelvic floor goes down. Mm -hmm. You exhale, your diaphragm contracts, your pelvic floor contracts. Okay. This often works really well when we're like 15 and we haven't thought a thing about this, right? Yep. <laughs> well, then what happens is during pregnancy, posture changes, there's a baby mm. in the way, and the diaphragm and the pelvic floor get out of sync. So mm. because of the way you're standing, they don't move well together anymore. They become uncoordinated okay. or just the weight of the baby stretches out the pelvic floor. So it's, it's mm. not contracting well. Okay. So it could be a timing issue. Like it's not, um, a sneeze is essentially a big exhale. Yeah. And so if your pelvic floor is not trained to contract on an exhale, when you exhale to sneeze, you might get some leakage because mm. you're not getting that contraction. Um, okay. so there, there's a couple different things. It could be a timing thing. It could be a strength thing. It could, like I said before, be mm -hmm. overly tight. So just like your muscles in your neck, you know how, when you've been typing all day or driving all day, those muscles in your neck get really, really tight. Mm -hmm. Your pelvic floor tends to do the same thing where it gets really, really tense. And then it can't do the job when you sneeze or when you cough or when you laugh or mm. whatever it is, that's giving you the issue. So, um, you know, post-pregnancy due to posture, due to the weight of the baby, due to delivery, which could be, just be traumatic or extra tightness mm -hmm. or whatever, we start to lose function in the pelvic floor. So what's kind of crazy is that sometimes pelvic floor function doesn't look like pelvic floor function. Okay. So it, um, like for me, it was pretty obvious since I was leaking all day, every day. That's a, that's a pretty clear pelvic floor issue. Mm -hmm. But there's lots of other things that you might not realize. So mm -hmm. a lot of women who have back pain, now they may have a structural thing from a car wreck or that kind of thing. Yeah. But if they just have this generic back pain that they can't quite figure out and no mm -hmm. amount of stretching helps, Mm -hmm. Often that can be a sign of pelvic floor dysfunction because the pelvic, the pelvic floor is supposed mm -hmm. to work to stabilize your spine. Okay. And if it's too tight or it's not firing, it's not stabilizing the spine. And we tend to let it get, mm -hmm. get a lot of pain in the low back. Okay. Um, a lot of my clients will have IT band issues. They'll have hip bursitis. Mm -hmm. Um, or they'll have even like neck pain and like TMJ because yeah. the neck is compensating for the pelvic floor. So it's just really interesting when you dig into it, that it, it's not the pelvic floor right in the center of your body. And it has mm -hmm. so many jobs and supporting the organs and stabilizing the spine that when yeah. something's going wrong, it mm -hmm. travels all over the body and all these weird symptoms start to pop up, even like foot mm -hmm. pain, like plantar fasciitis, wow. that kind of stuff can actually come back and not a hundred percent of the time, mm -hmm. but so many times that's linked to the pelvic floor. So I've just, you know, I didn't know this early in my career and I kind of cringe thinking about <laughs> some of my early clients. Like I used to have clients in their fifties and sixties and yeah. I would train them and would be doing that. And I never thought to ask them, mm. are they leaking? Do they have back pain? That kind of stuff. I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to do as a fitness professional. And now I wish I could go back and right. retrain them all because I think so much of what they were experienced could have actually been pelvic floor related. Mm. 
Wow. So interesting. There's so many things that you're saying where I'm like, okay, like lower back pain. Like I experienced that in like even my jaw, my neck. Sometimes I experienced that. And like, I've been athletic all my life. I ran track as well. And so I'm like, okay, this is, this is kind of crazy. This is totally (laughs) relevant. Even though I have not had a kid, I'm not pregnant at the moment. Like I want to prepare for that and to make sure that I am optimized. Um, so like, you know, working with people in their pelvic area and strengthening that, who can it be for? So it's probably not just for women after pregnancy. Like, who do you work with? Okay, so I definitely recommend everybody go see at least once a pelvic floor physical therapist. So I am not a pelvic floor physical therapist. I am a trainer who specializes in pelvic floor, but I'm not a doctor of physical therapy. So I do recommend um, when maybe when you're pregnant, going to see a pelvic floor physical therapist, and they can just Mm -hmm. give you some information about if your pelvic floor gets a strong contraction, like whether or not you're kegeling correctly, or if your pelvic floor is really, really tight. So I would Mm -hmm. recommend if you can, a visit during pregnancy, just to learn how to move your pelvic floor can actually help during Mm -hmm. delivery as well. Mm -hmm. If if your brain is more connected to your pelvic floor and you can coordinate that lengthening and shortening, Mm -hmm. it could actually help you during the pushing phase of labor. So learning to do that correctly during pregnancy is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I really recommend everybody after they've had a baby, go see a pelvic floor physical therapist at least once. Um, You know, a a longer regimen is great, but I know that that's not always possible with geography or insurance Mm -hmm. or costs or whatever it is. But I love for them to see a pelvic floor physical therapist at least once Mm -hmm. to just get some information about what's going on. Um, And so then there are people like me. So I am a a trainer (laughs) who specializes in pre and postnatal fitness. So there aren't many of us out there to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, there's starting to be more and more, or maybe it just seems like it to me because that's mm-hmm. who I follow on Instagram, but right. it's not super common in the mm-hmm. personal training world. And it's unfortunate, but I've gone back to my original certification books and there were two pages on pregnancy and zero on postpartum. Wow. Wow. Zero, none, no information. So your trainer at your gym, they might be a fantastic person. Right. They understand muscle growth. They understand how to squat without knee pain. They understand how to help you increase your cardio capacity, mm-hmm. but they likely have zero training on anything mm-hmm. pre or postnatal in terms of posture, pelvic floor, anything like that. Cause it's just mm-hmm. not available. Like I definitely mm-hmm. had to do some work to go seek this out. But there, there, you might get lucky. There might be somebody in your town who you could see during your pregnancy or postpartum to do a little pelvic floor rehab, mm-hmm. or there are several of us online. Like I do all my coaching cool. online now, um, where everything's on video and we do Zoom chats and that kind yeah. of stuff just to make sure everything is lined up. So there's two different avenues you can do. You can go see a pelvic floor physical therapist, mm-hmm. or you can find somebody like me who specifically has a specialty in this area. Right. So, and if you can't find one in your town, try to find somebody (laughs) online. Right. Right. Wow. That is, that's great to know because I'm sure there's a lot of people that struggle to find someone in this specific area. And so it's, it's great to know that you do a lot of it online where it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to be in the same town as you. And that's really great. And so like people that are considering pregnancy, women that are considering pregnancy, Um, how can they prepare for that? Is there any like strengthening exercises or I don't know if diet can relate to any of it as well. Um, What do you recommend for that? Sure. So during pregnancy, my primary focus is just 
getting people strong, you know, strong right. enough to carry the weight of the baby mm -hmm. and strong enough that we're not doing a lot of compensation. So mm -hmm. like if your back is weak and then you can't support the weight of the pregnancy, your posture is going to shift forward a little bit more and that's mm -hmm. going to compromise pelvic floor function. Um, and this is going to sound really crazy and hard to describe in a podcast, um, but we work a lot on breathing. So okay. that's during pregnancy and after pregnancy. And the reason is, like I said before, the diaphragm, your primary breathing muscle and the pelvic floor are supposed to sit one on top of each other. So like your ribs mm -hmm. right on top of your hips. Okay. And that's, that makes it easier for your pelvic floor to function optimally. Mm -hmm. So we work during pregnancy on postural things to keep things lined up. I'm sure you've seen yeah. pregnant women walking wherever, and they tend to do these weird shifty things where their pelvis goes tucks under to support the weight of the baby, okay. or their pelvis rolls forward to make more space for the baby, which you kind of huh. can't help. I mean, it's not mm -hmm. necessarily avoidable, <laughs> but by learning some of those postures and staying strong and working on breathing, we can mm -hmm. keep the pelvic floor getting exercise during the pregnancy so that okay. when they inhale, the pelvic floor gets long and they exhale mm -hmm. and the pelvic floor gets shorter. And it's, mm -hmm. it may not happen naturally unless you're thinking about it. So mm -hmm. I always start my sessions with my pregnant clients with, we just breathe and nice. find the pelvic floor and connect it to the breath. It's going to help during mm -hmm. labor and it's going to help to keep that pelvic floor strong and pliable and not overly tight or weak. Okay. So during pregnancy, posture, strength, and breathing, which I know sounds mm. really bizarre. <laughs> and then post-pregnancy, posture, strength, and breathing. Yeah. So we have to, we start really gently those first couple weeks after pregnancy, maybe at the three-week mark, mm -hmm. something like that. We're just laying on the ground, inhaling, getting length in the pelvic floor, exhaling, contracting the pelvic floor. Mm. And if the back got really tight during pregnancy, stretching out the back so that it doesn't okay. continue to keep things out of alignment. Yeah. Um, and then just working on strength so that when you're holding, maybe you have a toddler and a baby, that's a lot of weight to mm. be carrying around when your core is still weak and your pelvic floor is still vulnerable. Right. So we just start some really gentle strengthening type mm. things posture, alignment, and also habits, learning how to carry the toddler and the baby at the same time in mm -hmm. a way that doesn't put downward pressure on the pelvic floor. Interesting. So, wow. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be immediately postpartum. So okay. um, sometimes it's a little bit confusing for my clients because they're like, oh, I'm not pre and postnatal. I hmm. wish I would have found you 30 years ago. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like <laughs> if, you, if you had a baby ever, you are postpartum. So mm. postpartum is forever. Your body is forever different mm -hmm. and you now qualify as postpartum. So actually a lot of my clients, I get, they're kind of in two sets. I get the mm -hmm. one group who they're maybe 32 and they have a kid or two toddlers at home. Mm -hmm. But then I also tend to get people in their forties, fifties, maybe sixties where those postural things are starting to catch okay. up with them and everything's kind of achy. That back pain's ramping up or they're hitting mm. menopause and they're starting to notice more leaking, more pelvic pain, that kind of stuff. And mm. interestingly, I, I tend to do a lot of the same things. So if they're 55 and they've never done any postnatal rehab, mm -hmm. I tend to circle back and actually wow. revisit some of the same things I do with my recently postpartum women to mm. reset that posture. And I've actually had incredible results with people who, you know, somebody who had twins 20 years ago, huh being able to close their diastasis and stop them from peeing just by revisiting some of that pelvic floor rehab they should wow. have done 20 years ago, but nobody told them to do it, you know? Wow. So 
That's, yeah. that's incredible. And it really shows how like it's a domino effect and women may not realize the negative effects that they may be experiencing at like 50 or 60 years old is due to, you know, what happened in their twenties or their thirties. Um, and that you need to take care of yourself, you know, right away to lessen the effects that you may experience later on. Um, so that's really encouraging to hear. And is, so for women listening that are like, okay, I experiencing, I experience leakage when I jump or when I sneeze, are they able to reverse that then through the fitness and strengthening? Yeah. So I would say probably 80, 90% of the people that I see are able to eliminate or significantly Mm -hmm. decrease their pelvic floor symptoms. There are Mm -hmm. some people who have issues that are out of my scope. If they have Mm -hmm. a grade three or four prolapse, if they had some significant tearing during delivery, if they have, there, there are some people who are out of my scope and it, I have a network of people here in Nashville and mm-hmm. an online directory of people who I'm like, I can't help you. Like, let's do mm-hmm. what we can in terms of posture and yeah. breathing, but you definitely need to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist. But mm-hmm. I would say most of the people that come to me, regardless of age, regardless of how long they've been experiencing their symptoms are able to significantly mm-hmm. reduce it by changing their posture, getting stronger, changing their breathing patterns, and just learning how to relax the pelvic floor and those types of things. So mm. it is actually really encouraging that there, there is hope and there is a way, and this is not just something that we have to live with. You go to the yeah. grocery store and you buy birthday cards for women. Mm. It's all like, ha ha ha, like, don't make me laugh or I'll pee <laughs> or, um, you know, like people, there's jokes about adult diapers right. and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Like it's just, a commonly accepted, well, this is just the way it is. We hear our moms and our aunts and our cousins Mm -hmm. all talk about it as if it's, it's a necessary requirement of motherhood, but it's not. In almost all cases, Mm. it can get better. There are some cases that need surgery. And when that's the case, I am pro-surgery, but Mm. most people don't. They just need to reset Mm. some patterns, get stronger, learn to reconnect with their pelvic floor. And sometimes it's behavioral. um, That's not the right word. It's habitual. Mm. Like there, there are bladder irritants and it's, it's Mm. a hard list, but it's like wine and chocolate. Mm. And I had somebody who, who was, um, we were doing all this work and her posture was looking good. And she was getting, I was like, what in the world? Why are you still leaking so much? And it, we finally figured out she was drinking like eight or 10 seltzer waters, LaCroix per day. And it was just really irritating her bladder. So yeah. yeah. So she cut that out. And then, you know, Mm. that, that paired with the work we did, she is symptom free and can do go on long runs or whatever she wants to do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And of course, you know, wine, chocolate, what women like most, <laughs> but it's like in moderation, in moderation. Exactly. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, PMS symptoms and, you know, struggles with your cycle is a common occurrence. And so many women think, oh, that's just normal. That's just a part of being a female. Um, but it's not, it's actually not normal. And you can reverse that through your diet, through exercise, whatever that may be. And so just like, you know, leaking that's it's not normal and you can actually reverse it due to your strengthening and exercise um so that's i'm glad you bring that up because you know so many women accept that it's normal um but what i would like to know is like are there certain women that are more susceptible to pelvic pain i know we kind of talked about this even before we started recording so i'd love to know who that would be Right. Um, I see it a lot in my hypermobile population. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen people who their, their joints have a greater than average range of motion. Like they, they'll say they're double jointed, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. They yep. tend to be um, just lack a little bit of pelvic stability and 
their pelvis, their pelvic floor tends to overcompensate and get really mm -hmm. tight. And we see a lot of symptoms in these like super flexible people, these like yeah. yogi types <laughs> that get really, really flexible. And then their pelvic floor overcompensates. Wow. Um, other than that, I mean, there's, there's people in lots of categories mm -hmm. who are prone to this. So I see it in my gymnast CrossFit super fit population. Mm -hmm. I see it in my people who have no athletic background that have never really worked mm -hmm. out that don't have a lot of muscle control and just don't have a lot of strength. Mm -hmm. So it, it really is all over the place. And some yeah. of it is just genetic, you know, just yeah. how, how, um, your muscles and connective tissues tend to function. That's mm -hmm. just genetic, but that doesn't mean that you can't improve, even if it's mm -hmm. kind of a genetic thing. Um, I posture is a big thing and I'm not saying that you need to have perfect posture all day long. There's actually mm -hmm. no such thing as perfect posture all day long. Yeah. What we're looking for is that you're not stuck in a certain posture. Okay. So if your pelvis tilts way far forward and it's just stuck like that and you almost mm -hmm. can't make it more neutral, I see a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Or if you're if your pelvis rolls under and kind of tucks mm -hmm. under, it's called posterior pelvic tilt, and you're stuck there, you can't move. I tend mm -hmm. to see pelvic floor dysfunction. So don't need to walk around all day, every day with perfect posture. There's no such thing. But we do want to have some flexibility and ability to okay. move through different postures. If we're really stuck with rounded shoulders and pelvis going forward and ribs kind of flared out yeah. and you're stuck in that position. So all day long, the pelvic floor mm -hmm. is in a less than optimal position. We're going to mm -hmm. tend to see a couple other symptoms, but mm -hmm. for the most part, it, I have such a wide variety of clientele mm -hmm. that I can't say these people are prone um, yeah. because yeah. it's just, it's just patterns that develop. And like, I'm five foot, I'm five foot three oh, and, ditto. I re <laughs> and I have a really long legs. Mm. So I like when I stand behind beside people that are much taller, our hip bones are in the same part. I have a very, very, very short torso. So like my bra yeah. strap and my belly button are like three inches apart. So yeah. when I was pregnant, I mean, that belly was like a torpedo. It just was straight <laughs> out because there's, there's nowhere for it to go. Mm -hmm. And I was very, athletic. I had good posture. I was really strong, but just something about my biomechanics or something in the way my pelvic mm -hmm. floor responded, I ended up with symptoms, but wow. there's so many different things that could lead you to pelvic floor dysfunction. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's crazy. And so it's just like, it doesn't necessarily segregate certain women like, Oh, you're more susceptible to this. It's like, we all are. And I like how you bring up genetics into that. I do genetic testing on my clients and it's so fascinating how, you know, certain people are more prone to like, um, injury due to their, like their tendons or whatever that may be. So that's something that's really cool that you can find out through genetic testing as well. Like, am I more susceptible to certain things? And it might just be your structures also like I'm five foot three. I have a short torso. So I'm like, okay. Um, all right. All right. But, I'm but checking all you could get through delivery completely mm. with no issues, even though oh. we have a similar frame, it yeah. just, it just is. I, I don't know exactly, yeah. you know, and it yeah. can just be the shape of your pelvis, the size of your baby, where you carry tension in your body. Mm. Like my pelvic floor probably became really hyperactive in pregnancy, just trying to hold that baby up because I was so okay. little, yeah. but other people, their pelvic floor stays nice and relaxed, but their back gets really tight or whatever. Yeah. It's bodies are amazing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, this, this pelvic floor dysfunction is frustrating as it mm -hmm. is so much of it stems from your body just trying to protect you. 
Like our mm-hmm. bodies are trying to do the work and they mm-hmm. find ways to do the work. So if the yeah. baby's too heavy, the pelvic floor will fire and overfire and keep firing to give you the mm-hmm. stability you need to support the baby. So mm-hmm. the symptoms that come from that are frustrating. And trust me, I understand. <laughs> but our bodies are finding a way to figure it out. Even just like the mm-hmm. neck pain and the jaw pain, you're trying to create enough tension to be strong enough to pick up your toddler. So mm-hmm. our bodies are just really incredible in their, mm-hmm. their ability to find a way to get the work done. Mm-hmm. And then if something in your body is overworking, over-functioning, you're going to tend to have symptoms in that area. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it helps to be like, you know what? My body isn't dysfunctional. My body found a way to get the work done. Mm-hmm. My body found a way to carry the twins. My body found a way to deliver that baby. My mm-hmm. body found a way. And now I've got these symptoms that I can mm-hmm. resolve, you know, but yeah. it's, our bodies are really incredible and it doesn't mean your body failed. It doesn't mean you did anything mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just a combination of physiology, a split second in delivery, where your body mm-hmm. creates strength and tension, but it's, there's no guilt. There's no shame. It's just the way your body chose to figure it out to get the mm-hmm. work done. Yeah. Our, our bodies are really designed beautifully and we're very adaptable. And so, you know, our body's just compensating in other areas um, versus, you know, other things. So it's really neat to hear that that perspective of it all. And I think it's super mm-hmm. encouraging. Um, so talking about like Kegels, what's the difference between that and like activating a pelvic floor? Is there any difference? Um, what are those? Well, there are lots of different ways to do a Kegel. And if you go see a pelvic floor physical therapist, they might give you like five different kinds, kinds to do, <laughs> but no, at the end of the day, a Kegel is a pelvic floor contraction, okay. but they are overly recommended as if they mm-hmm. are the the end all be all. So, so many people come to me and they're like, oh, I'm so bad. I haven't been doing my Kegels. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like that might not even be the right answer for you. Mm -hmm. And people who do them, often they do them incorrectly. So Mm. um, it's supposed to be a squeeze and a lift. And most people kind of just do the squeeze. So they over function Mm. maybe through their core or through their glutes or through their anus, but not Mm. really getting that true pelvic floor lift. So Mm. I can tell you in my case, I thought that maybe I'm just not doing enough Kegels when I was having all my leakage. And so I started doing what I learned to do in like Cosmo when I was like 18, (laughs) which is like do a hundred a day, do some (laughs) every stoplight. And so I just kept doing more and more and more Kegels. And then the more I did them, the worse my symptoms got. And that was really confusing. Um, But Mm -hmm. part of it is because my pelvic floor was really, really tight. We talked about gymnasts and all these things Mm -hmm. and athletes. Like my pelvic floor was hypertonic or overly, it kind of fired this low level contraction all day long. And so what I, what I needed was not more strength, but actually Mm -hmm. more relaxation. Like I was unable to release the pelvic floor in between Kegels. Mm-hmm. And so a Kegel is not just a rapid series of squeezes. Okay. It's a fully lengthened. So there's a couple of different ways I describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can picture an accordion, you know, like the, yep. the when, when, <laughs> when you inhale, you want that accordion to get fully lengthened. Okay. And then on the exhale, then you squeeze a little bit. Okay. And you, you do this lift. Another thing I'll say is um, pick up a blueberry with your vagina. Mm. which is hilarious because my clients now like they buy me like blueberry keychains and they'll come to my classes wearing like blueberry t-shirts and we'll be in the middle of this like crowded gym and they're all like did you pick up your blueberry it's hysterical so that's kind of taken on a life of its own the other thing that i'll say is um like the claw that's in those vending machines where 
you, you know the vending machines where the claw comes down and it yep. picks up the stuffed animal and you pick it up? So if you can imagine your pelvic floor as that claw that has four prongs, because a lot of us um, really clench through the front of our pelvic floor, but don't get mm -hmm. in the back or clench through the back and don't get in the front. So if you think of your pelvic floor as like with four prongs, so front to front, okay. side to side, front to back, side to side. And so when you inhale, you open up all four prongs of that claw. Mm -hmm. And then okay. you pick up the pelvic floor and all four prongs kind of come together. Huh. So from uh, that's the basic pelvic floor contraction is making mm -hmm. sure you're getting a full relaxation in between. I think when I was doing my Kegels too many per day, hundreds a day, <laughs> I was probably just doing like these contractions, but never opening up, never opening the accordion, mm -hmm. never opening the claw, just kind of staying in that really tight position and doing little mini contractions. Hmm. So from there, there are a couple different ways you can do them. They can do like quick flicks, which is like 10 rapid fire Kegels, okay. or you can do longer, slower ones where you kind of close that claw, but only at like 30% effort. So we don't mm -hmm. need, I'm a pretty intense person and I'm an athlete <laughs> and I'm like, let's go. So I was even doing my Kegels with like way too much intensity. So um, I had to learn to just like calm down a little bit. But so sometimes I have people do ones where you, you contract the pelvic floor at like 30%. So very gentle, don't crush your blueberry and then hold it for 10 seconds. Just that gentle contraction. Don't cut your, um, your crush your blueberry, hold for 10 seconds and then fully relax. Hmm. So, I mean, I can talk you through different ways of doing it. And there are other variations mm -hmm. besides those. And sometimes it's a matter of, I have them do them kneeling or I have them doing them standing. And some of mm -hmm. my clients do no Kegels whatsoever. Mm -hmm. We just practice a pelvic floor contraction while we're squatting, while we're lunging. It, it really yeah. is a case by case basis. And in some cases, they're also seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist and we communicate and they tell me what to do. But, um, mm -hmm. so I can't on a podcast tell you, right you need to do 10 quick flicks. You need to do 10 where you hold for 10 seconds because I mm -hmm. don't, I don't know. Right. Um, I can help, you know, even with my online courses, I can help walk mm -hmm. you through that and we can get pretty close to what you need. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even just doing them correctly, mm -hmm. we don't know if that's the right thing for you because yeah. we don't know if your pelvic floor is not firing. Like mm -hmm. there might be some scar tissue from your delivery and until that scar tissue is broken up, like you can't really get a good contraction mm. or your pelvic floor might be really, really tight. And the mm -hmm. last thing you need is Kegels. Like you need to <laughs> lay and happy baby and just mm. relax and breathe and let that pelvic floor fully relax. Mm. And so it's a very case by case basis. So anybody mm. who tells you, well, you just need to do Kegels. <laughs> you just need to do a hundred per day. They kind of disqualify themselves from giving mm -hmm. advice because it, it's really a case-by-case -case basis. Sometimes mm -hmm. my people do no Kegels at all. We just work on their posture and breathing mm -hmm. and that's it. They never do a single Kegel and they stop peeing their pants. So mm -hmm. it's a case-by-case -case basis, but Kegels in general are overly recommended and they're a, they're a mm -hmm. solution, but they're not the only solution and they might actually make things worse like they did for me. Wow. So much information. I mean, this is incredible. I'm just learning so much and I'm sure listeners are as well. Um, and I love that you emphasize, you know, it's a personal thing, you know, it can't just be a end all be all for every single person or, you know, one size fits all deal. It's personalized and yeah, you might have scar tissue, but the next person might not and how that affects it. Who would have thought like a little bit of scar tissue could actually, um, affect you in that way and it's right. it's crazy um so much so much great information are i would love to know are there any 
few key takeaways that you have for listeners? Sure. Um, just being active and mobile. Like I said, the being stuck in a certain posture is problematic. Mm -hmm. And the best thing that we can do is walk a lot. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it really helps just being more, more active and not spending your whole day in one posture. So trying mm -hmm. to, if you are sitting at a desk, taking regular walks, if you're driving mm -hmm. a lot, once you get where you're going, take 10 minutes, like while you're, while you're waiting for your kid to finish practice, instead of sitting in your car, mm -hmm. get out and just walk back and forth across the parking lot, mm -hmm. that being in those one static position can end up, you know, right. have, giving you issues. So just yeah. being more active in general will help keep your posture in better mm -hmm. alignment. Um, and breathing, meditation, mm -hmm. And so keeping a lot of us without even realizing it, we kind of hold this Kegel-like motion all day long. It's mm -hmm. like we're super stressed and we think, if I can just squeeze my pelvic floor, I'll hold my whole life together. <laughs> and so many of us just carry a ton of pelvic floor tension that sometimes just relaxing. So I've had cases where... Um, you know, we've met, we're doing work, we're learning how to relax the pelvic floor, but they're still, you know, we're working through the symptoms and then they go on vacation and they're like, I didn't pee one time on vacation. I'm like, I know, like a lot of it is just stress where we tend to hold a lot of, a lot of tension in the pelvic floor when we're really stressed. Mm -hmm. So learning to let that go and not clenching through the pelvic floor and the glutes all day long. Mm -hmm. Um, but mostly just seeking out help, whether that's a public floor physical therapist or somebody like me online, or if you're lucky enough to find somebody in your town, mm. you know, it's, it's so interesting as moms, we prioritize things for mm. everybody but ourselves. Like we schedule regular haircuts for our kids. We schedule mm -hmm. regular dentist appointments. If a pediatrician said, I think your daughter needs speech therapy, you're like, well, can I start tomorrow? Like what <laughs> office should I go to? Even if it's not in the budget, you're like, well, of course, they said we need speech therapy. We're going to do that. Yeah. Or, you know, and so yeah. we, we as parents tend to prioritize these basic self-care things. Even if our mm -hmm. kid has a rash, we're driving mm -hmm. all over town to find the specialist and do the expensive allergy testing because we don't right. want our baby to have this rash. Yep. Yet we will pee our pants for 10 <laughs> or 15 years and just tolerate it and just mm -hmm. be like, well, this is my life now. So mm -hmm. I just want to encourage anybody listening that you matter mm -hmm. and your symptoms matter and that you deserve to feel good and strong in your body. You deserve to resolve your back pain. You de mm -hmm. deserve to resolve your pelvic floor symptoms. If you're having painful intercourse, anything like that, mm -hmm. like you don't just have to live with that. And there are people out there who can help you. And you're worth mm -hmm. the time, you're worth making the appointment, you're mm -hmm. worth, if there's an investment that goes with it, to see that person. Um, and you don't need to feel guilty about it. it it's, mm -hmm. it's important and your body matters too. Such an encouragement. I mean, the, if you want to show up better for those in your life, if you really care about your children, your husband, or um, whoever is in your life that you care about, if you want to serve them well and take them to the appointments or whatever that may be, how are you supposed to do that if you yourself are not well also? And I mean, maybe you're feeling okay, but years down the road, you can't show up in their lives. Maybe, you know, you want to spend time with your grandchildren years down the road, but you can't because you experience so many negative side effects that could have been prevented early on. So 
huge right. encouragement to yeah. just take care of yourself. And it's not a selfish thing. It's something you can do and should do in order to show up better in life later on as well. Right. So, right. And there's, there's no guilt and or shame in having the mm-hmm. symptoms to begin with. Like right. your amazing body found a way to grow a human mm-hmm. and we can't expect our bodies to just act like nothing else happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's crazy that there's so much in place for other types of injuries. Like if you have frozen shoulder, you go to automatic physical therapy and mm-hmm. no one would question that you're going to physical therapy. Or if you had an ACL tear, they're like, well, of course you go to these appointments and you do your physical therapy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yet we grow a child. We either have a C-section, which is major surgery <laughs> or a vaginal delivery. And we get one single mm-hmm. appointment postpartum and it usually amounts to a pat on the back and some birth control. I mean, there's, That's there's insane. really not enough support for women. And so wow. if you are still having symptoms post-pregnancy, whether that's one year or 20 years, mm-hmm. it's not your fault. There was no structure in place to support you and get you mm-hmm. symptom free. So go get your help now. Just, yeah. just go because you deserve it. <laughs> oh man. I love it, Erica. You just bring the fire and the passion. <laughs> um, so leading now into our rapid fire questions, I can't wait to see what you're going to say for this. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is who is the most influential woman in your life? My mom. Mm. That's probably a pretty Classic. common answer, but she's pretty awesome. She, mm. uh, she was a teacher in a small town for like 20 years. Mm. And so all of my friends, like she was all of their teachers and she's still like the whole town's favorite teacher. So she's, oh, she's pretty great. Um, that's amazing. Pretty lucky to have her. That's awesome. Um, next one is what is your favorite food? My husband and I like to go for Ethiopian food for a oh, date night. That is awesome. So, so what do you order? Like what's a typical plate? When you go to Ethiopia, I might I might be pronouncing it wrong, but we like the K we like the spicy K Wat I think is how you say it. Um, okay, and it comes on like the sourdough and jeer. It's amazing. Oh. So that that's our favorite date night. So oh man, I love cultural food so much. So I can relate. Um, are you a past, present, or future thinker? Hmm. Probably present. Mm. Probably yeah. Love I'd like that. to be more of a future thinker, but. I would say probably present, but I feel like my mind's racing through the whole spectrum all day long. So I don't Mm -hmm. know. (laughs) Totally. It's it's hard to answer that. It's like, what do I spend more time in? So that's really cool that you spend, you feel more time in the present um, because a lot of time people are just jumping to the future. And so that's really neat. That's really cool. Um, What is your favorite travel destination or a dream destination that you have? We like to go to Sitka, Alaska. I have a sister-in-law there. It's an island and it's just magical. It's, Mm. I think... I love it. So we, we kind of dream about retiring there and oh, it's great. That's so cool. It's cool to have someone there as well, where you have yeah. a connection and you can mm-hmm. visit as often as you like. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the last one is if you had unlimited funds, what health gadgets or tools would you end up buying? Hmm. <sighs> That's interesting because I'm pretty, I'm pretty basic when it mm. comes to, I don't need a whole build out gym. Like I need a couple kettlebells and some dumbbells and some bands. <laughs> so I'm pretty simple. Um, I would like to have a treadmill cause I like to walk yeah. a lot and it's hard when the weather gets bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I might get like a hot tub or a sauna or something like uh, that because I don't, I don't have any trouble yes. doing the work. I have trouble doing the relaxation. So mm. if I had a thing that like made me do the restorative part, that could probably be helpful. Yeah, totally. I agree. I agree. So awesome. So how can listeners end up connecting with you, Erica? 
Sure. The best place, I have a private Facebook group called Core and Pelvic Floor with Erica Young, and it is private and closed with like membership questions. But that's where I do most of my posting because what I teach is kind of personal. So I do mm -hmm. most of that within a closed Facebook group. So that's Core and Pelvic Floor with Erica Young. I do have a free ebook about Kegels that you can sign mm -hmm. up and get that. Or um, I am on social media, but I'm still not super active on my public pages. That, that core and public floor group is where I do most of my posting. And then I do have an online program called Stronger Beyond Birth. Okay. And so that opens at regular interview, intervals throughout the year. And so you can put yourself on the wait list for that if you think that's something that you would be interested in. It's a program that I ran in person for several years and had hundred or more graduates. So it's a proven program. And then I've, you know, in the last year put it online. And so I've had mm -hmm. graduates now from the online program and it's working just as well online. So I have people all over the country learning to not take wow. their pants when they sneeze. So, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And that'll all be in the show notes for anyone that is interested. Awesome. I mean, anyone would be super blessed to be able to work with you because you're so Thank passionate. You. you have so much knowledge um, and you truly care and you want to see women um, be their best. And you've, you've totally got that. And so I'm sure listeners awesome. would totally totally connect with you very well. So. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate being on your show and I appreciate you getting the word out to women about these, these mm -hmm. topics that people don't talk about. Like everybody mm -hmm. talks about losing weight. Everybody talks about these things, but they don't talk about hormones. They don't talk about the pelvic floor. And so it's up to mm -hmm. us to guide the conversation into these topics that are game changers. Totally. They're just not talked about as much. So good for 100%. you for putting these things out in the world. Thanks, Erica. It was a pleasure. Good to meet you.